Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Here's a subject most all of us tend to put off, and that's comprehensive planning for retirement. So how many years do you and your spouse have left until you plan to retire? What is the size of your retirement portfolio today? How much do you estimate you will need to retire comfortably and in style and when you and your spouse decide to do so. And when you pass away, how do you plan to distribute your remaining assets? Whatever you answered uh, or whatever your current age, there is no time like now to begin planning for retirement. And Chartered Retirement Planning Counselor Roger Allen Friedman is here to help. Roger has prepared a special report titled The Beneficiary Minefield, 19 Retirement Mistakes You Must Avoid. This special report is a must-read for every one of you with an IRA or other type of retirement account, and Roger's special report is chock-full of information to consider before you retire, mistakes to avoid before you make them. Read it, study it, and become educated on this crucial topic for a carefree retirement future. You can order Roger Friedman's extremely helpful report online at rogeronretirement.com slash shop. That's R-O-D-G-E-R on retirement.com slash shop. Check it out today. To close out our current series of programs on exercise and nutrition, we return to a subject so perplexing to so many of us at middle age, sustainable weight loss. You and I want to lose those extra 15 or 20 pounds, perhaps a lot more, but no matter how hard we try, they just stick around and perhaps go away for a little while only to return within a few months, maybe with a few additional pounds thrown in. And you may recall on our August 14th program, guest Renee Jones described the hazards of comfort eating, emotional comfort eating, and from time to time just about all of us do it, don't we? Uh, next time you're tempted, ask yourself these two questions. How many cookies will it take to keep me from being lonely? How many trips to the refrigerator must I make before I'm no longer bored? And the answer, of course, is no amount because neither of these remedies work because consuming food can't and won't calm the mind or remove negative feelings. But despite this obvious fact, for so many of us, losing weight through willpower alone is ineffective because those emotional eating habits are programmed right into our brains. A hidden stressor, perhaps from the distant past, is triggering you and me to eat even uh, when we're not that hungry. And what it really is causing you to eat too much at mealtime, consume high-calorie, unhealthy foods, and routinely snack for comfort at the wrong times. But here's some good news. My guest today, hypnotist Erica Flint, is here to help us tap into the subconscious mind for insights into the origins of our emotional eating. When we're not really hungry, what precisely is making us want to eat, eat, eat? And better yet, she's here to help us to reprogram our response to these 
subconscious impulses, in effect allowing us to reprogram our weight, as she puts it. And Erica Flint is an award-winning hypnotist, author, speaker, and co-host of the popular podcast series, Hypnosis, Etc. She's founder of Cascade Hypnosis Center in Bellingham, Washington, and creator of the Reprogram Your Weight System. And she's author of the 2016 book, 2017 book, Reprogram Your Weight, Stop Thinking About Food All the Time, Regain Control of Your Eating, and Lose the Weight Once and for All. Sounds great, doesn't it? Hello, Erica Friend, and it's uh, great to have you here as uh, we're about to approach fall, which is often stressful and uh, so often packed with overeating temptations. Oh, it's great to be here, Roy. Thank you so much. What a fantastic uh, intro there. And I agree with you. Fall can be very difficult. You know, we've got uh, we've got uh, Halloween followed by Thanksgiving, followed yeah. by, of course, Christmas, right, which has built in times for us to eat and expectation for us yeah, to eat as not well. Not to mention, when, you know, the uh, joys of the summer vacation are over and the stress of getting back into the swing of things. <laughs> Maybe That's right. it's less stressful to have the kids back in school. I don't know. <laughs> I guess that depends, yeah. But anyway, uh, let's begin with the basics. Can you please share with us how the mind and body work together to form beliefs and create perceptions about food, both real and imagined? <laughs> how does that work? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, so most of this starts when we are younger. And so we are, to a large extent, a lot of us are conditioned to eat wrong from a very young age. So everybody out there, raise your hand if you are a member of the Clean Plate Club, yeah. right? You've got to finish all the food on your right. plate. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? We learned those things. So here's another one. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day, so don't leave the house without eating breakfast. Um, yeah. I so like this one. Uh, you don't want to. Uh, we, we, you want to grow up to be big and strong. I remember at youth club when I was a kid. If some other kid was eating like five hot dogs, I felt like I had to eat six because he'd grow up to be bigger and stronger than me if I didn't eat as much. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. So the brain learns those things, right? Yeah. It's messaging from the adults around us that yeah. gets embedded. And then, you know, and sometimes, you know what, sometimes it's fine to eat like that when we're kids because guess what? Yeah. We're growing, yeah. right? Yeah, when we get older, it becomes problematic because then we don't feel right yeah. leaving food on the plate. And then we may be growing in the wrong way. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, so what, aspects, uh, what aspects of our high-octane modern-day life contribute to weight gain as well and increase the challenge of taking weight off? And I know there's a number of factors going on in, the, in our lives today that... Uh, encourage us to gain weight or don't encourage oh, absolutely. to absolutely yeah there are so many i mean the high fast moving lifestyle most most people they wake up and they get up in the morning and have coffee so they're having caffeine in the morning a lot of yeah. people have alcohol at night to wind down because yeah. in the middle there's so much stress and so many responsibilities and the expectation is so high that people are kind of running on caffeine and then something to cool down or calm down at the end of the day. Um, yeah. There's just too much stress. And so the brain, the nervous system in the brain gets overloaded and it just doesn't feel good. One of the principles of the mind is the mind will always turn toward pleasure and away from pain. So if there's too much pain, meaning anxiety going on, guess what the brain's going to do? It's going to notice those donuts sitting over there in the corner 
and the donuts are going to equal release. Yeah, it tells me how it's basically social acceptance of food, like donuts at company meetings. <laughs> yeah. When we go out to, to eat at lunch, you know, we, we often, not every day, but a formal lunch, you know, we always have a cocktail or two and then eat more than we need to. <laughs> Yeah, and that. some of those, yeah, some of those foods are are easy to transport. So think about, you know, if somebody asked me what's a healthy food. Well, a healthy food in general, you set it on the counter, and in a week it goes bad. Um, but you know, most of those foods aren't what are easy to transport. So if you go to the grocery store and you're going to pick up something for your colleagues, is it yeah. easier to get a dozen donuts or is it easier to get a bunch of fruit and then take it into work and <laughs> chop it up and you know you have to refrigerate it and all of that yeah. stuff. Because about two-thirds of it remains uneaten. Yep. Yeah, because <laughs> well, people need book, that sugar. <laughs> in, in your book, you tell us that traditional methods of weight loss revolve around a faulty premise. What is that premise, and why is it faulty? And uh, why do traditional methods of weight loss sometimes actually cause us to eat more? Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, the, the, the primary premise that is faulty um, with diets is the high focus, the hyper focus on food. So another yeah. principle of the mind is whatever we focus on grows. So if you are sitting there thinking about food all day long and you're counting and pointing and weighing your food, guess what? Your appetite is going to grow. That's fascinating when you think about it. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I know. And think about what, what, what two things will happen. If you're focusing on food all day long, one of two things will happen. Your yeah. appetite increases. Either you're going to... Um, deprive yourself. So now you want it, but you don't eat it. So you deprive yeah. yourself or you give in and then you feel bad. Either way you feel bad. You're either deprived or you failed and you and you give in and you feel bad. And then if you've deprived yourself for a while and you make the weight, and you, then you celebrate by eating. That's right. <laughs> Slowly but surely you gain it all back again unless you had a permanent change in your food habits, which usually you don't. Well, I thought this was fascinating. Is the following statement true or false? The faster you lose weight, the more likely you are to gain it all back. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely believe that that is true. Um, if you think about it biologically, so the way that I talk about weight with my clients is I think of it as um, stored energy on the body. Stored energy yeah. on the body. That's actually what yeah. it is, right? Yeah. So if you have a savings account and you drain your savings account overnight, right, that doesn't feel very good. And that's the no. same thing that your brain is thinking. Your yeah. brain is like, oh my gosh, we're losing too much weight too quickly. Normally that's going to come from depriving yourself or an illness, okay? That's yeah. the other w w way yeah. that people do that. And then it's very likely that your brain now has that fear-based response to food huh. and deprivation. It doesn't want that to happen again, it will give you every reason in the world to make sure that never happens again, so you'll very likely gain it all back. Yeah. Well, in your book, you reveal that hypnosis can help us out with the emotional baggage that keeps us trapped in unhealthy eating habits, but let's start with the basics. To me, hypnosis is that uh, crazy guy that I saw at the comedy club who made willing audience uh, volunteers do say and do silly things. But what is hypnosis really, and why is it helpful for those of us trying to lose weight or break a bad habit like smoking or whatever? How, how does it really work? Well, hypnosis, all hypno hypnosis is a normal and natural state of mind. So we go into states of hypnosis all the time. The guy at the comedy club, that's for entertainment purposes. So they're fun. That's enjoyable, right? We can all have fun with that. We don't do that in the hypnosis office, of course. Um, yeah, so... 
Anytime that you're really highly focused on something. So, for example, let's say that you're watching a really good movie or you're listening to music. Maybe you're playing with your grandkids and you look over and it's been an hour and you thought it had been 10 minutes. Yeah. That's likely a state of hypnosis. But we utilize that state in the hypnosis office to help you become aware of things and give you insight about what's really going on in your life. And so the emotional component, um, the two primary emotions that come up with people who are eating too much are stress and boredom. And so we can figure those things out and old painful things in their life, like feeling inadequate, not feeling loved, not feeling good enough. We fix all of those habits. Nobody wants to feel that way. No. You know, so when you feel bad, what do you think the brain does? Again, it points towards pleasure and away from pain. If you feel bad about yourself, what do you think most people are going to do? Right. So uh, you're, you're saying the practical application of hypnosis is uh, revealing uh, about underlying emotions that have been holding us back or causing us to, to feel bad and maybe causing us to consume food. Is that what, uh, what the hypnosis yeah. it is? It reveals and, and it reveals and eliminates them. So really what we're doing is called emotional alchemy. So we're, we're taking oh. those old painful emotions and we move them into something else that is more... Um, helpful for us like wisdom you know it's like how you learn something um from experience um compassion so we take those old feelings that we don't like and we turn them into something new and a lot of the time those old feelings they're not even true so they're not even true we feel like we aren't good enough but the reality is we were absolutely good enough we were absolutely (laughs) good people yeah, these feelings may go back to something somebody said to us when we were children or something. It's the amazing thing about it. <laughs> yeah, and you're absolutely right. So you might have an experience where someone had said something to you when you were, uh, you know, in grade school, like, yeah. you know, just name-calling or bullying yeah. or picking yeah. on someone like that, and you accepted that idea as being true for you, and it's absolutely not true. When we look at that with an adult perspective and an adult wisdom, we realize it was just a 12-year-old child saying that to us, yeah. and we release that emotion, and now we're able yeah. to make have a better response. So it gets rid of that knee-jerk reaction is what hypnosis does. Yeah, it that's great. Gives us that opportunity. Well, how, how do we create in that? To reduce the emotional eating, how do we create new default responses to stress or other negative emotional triggers? How do we come up with a substitute for eating? Yeah, and this is really a very important aspect of um, of doing it because if the brain, you know, the brain wants to feel good at all times. So really it comes down to people need to, you know, eat when they're actually hungry, right? <laughs> um, and so how do, how do we know that, right? So I have something called the broccoli test. The broccoli <laughs> test, right? It's like you walk, in the, you walk in the kitchen, you're staring at the back of the fridge, and you ask yourself, whoa, am I actually hungry? Would I eat broccoli? Now, if you President eat broccoli. George H.W. H. W. Bush wouldn't. I know he hated broccoli. Did he hate broccoli? Yeah, so broccoli itself, you know, it should be something that you like, but it should be something that you would eat if you were hungry, right? I'm not going to go snacking on broccoli um, because of a stressful day, for example, right? You know, frozen um, broccoli is kind of good sometimes. Right? <laughs> stuff that, uh... So the, then the thing to do, if you ask yourself, would I eat broccoli? And the answer is no. You realize, okay, so I'm not actually hungry, but yeah. my brain needs a break. I need to well, take a break. I need to do something. So you have to do something else. You have to generate call that generating good feelings in your body. So this is where this is where you have that moment. You don't have the knee-jerk reaction. You're not eating. You have the awareness. And now what else do you do? Well, that's kind of part of the solution is figuring out what else can you do that actually makes you feel good um, that isn't 
food, right? We all need to have something in our life that makes us feel good that isn't food. If food is the only thing in our life that makes you feel good, you will have a problem with your weight most likely. Well, that would be a pretty miserable life, too, if the whole life revolved around eating. (laughs) You know what? I can't tell you how many of my clients tell me that the only time during their day that they feel good is when they are eating. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, and so it's no wonder that they turn to food to feel better. That's true. Yeah. Well, let's get down to where the rubber meets the road. For most of us, does hypnosis work? I mean, can a typical man or woman be hypnotized so that they are uh, highly focused and receptive to positive suggestion? I know I've never really felt like I was hypnotized when I go to these demonstrations or something where they, uh, you know, do group hypnosis. Does that work for most people, or um, how do you get into that state? Yeah, I, well, hypnosis, you know, like I said before, hypnosis is a normal and natural state of mind. So you've probably yeah. been in the state of hypnosis a number of times, you just didn't realize it. Yeah, I and see. In the hypnosis office, it's something you have to choose to do. So it's not, you know, it's not like anybody can force you to do hypnosis, so yeah. you have to want to do hypnosis, first of all. Yeah. In a group setting... Just like anything that we do in a group setting. I mean, one-on-one is so much better than in a group setting. Group setting can still be effective, but it's not quite as effective. As a hypnotist in a group setting, I can't check in on every individual uh, participant in the room to make sure that they're at the proper level of hypnosis. Like I do in my hypnosis office, we have ways to test to make sure you are at the proper level of hypnosis in order to do the deep work we do. Well, let's assume you're sold on hypnosis and want to get started. Does everyone need a professional hypnotist, or is, can people perform self-hypnosis, or, or where do we go to locate a qualified hypnotist? And uh, as untrained laypersons, how best can we evaluate qualifications and select a hypnotist that works for us or a, a method that works for us? How do we do that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so my recommendation is, um, you want to find a qualified hypnotherapist who's a professional hypnotherapist. I mean, if you just want to play around, that's fine. We have, you know, there are all sorts of hobby uh, hobbies that people do, right? So I can go run marathons on the weekend, but if I wanted to win the New York Marathon, I'm not going to just ask my friends to help me. I'm going to go hire a professional running coach. So if you're really serious, hire a full-time professional hypnotist who's, who has credentials that are backed by a professional organization, for example, um, the National Guild of hypnotists, for example. So is there somewhere on the Internet we should go to to, to locate one in our area, or how do we go about finding Yeah, you it? could go to the NGH, NGH.net would be a good place to get started is where you can find some great hypnotherapists yeah. um, in your area. Um, I specialize in weight loss. So there are some hypnotists who specialize in some things. I specialize in weight loss, so, of course, people can always contact me. I work yeah. with people remotely, but I also have colleagues um, who I recommend all over uh, North America and actually all over the world. Um, but with self-hypnosis, most hypnotists will teach you self-hypnosis while you are doing hypnosis with the professional because it's something that, yeah, that you'll want to learn to do on your own because, you know, the benefits are just tremendous. First of all, it helps you to focus. It can eliminate and reduce the feeling of stress and anxiety in your body. You can sleep better. You feel more yeah. connected. You can do goal setting, feel more confident. I and mean, there's so many benefits. So, you know, doing self-hypnosis and learning that from your hypnotist is a really great way to go. Yeah. Well, let's talk a bit about your uh, new 2017 book, Reprogram Your Weight, Stop Thinking About Food All the Time, Regain Control of Your 
eating and lose weight once and for all. How is your book different from all the other weight loss books out there? I think I know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, well, my book, I tell people my book is the opposite of a diet, and it really is. It has nothing to do at all. I don't tell you know, or talk about what foods people should eat. No. Really, it comes down to eliminating that emotional underpinning of what's yeah. causing people to eat when they're not actually hungry. We change um, unhealthy habits to healthy ones. So, you know, we talked about the Clean Plate Club earlier. That would be an unhealthy habit. Another one might be eating in front of the television or oh, eating yeah, in front of the computer. When you're doing right? that, it's, it's so easy just to keep grabbing into that uh, box of snacks. I know. You look down and you're like, wait, who ate all the chips? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think so that's one of the modern uh, problems we have, not to mention the lack of exercise we get by sitting in front of TV or the computer all the time, but uh, just that yeah. unconscious uh, reaching for food is so that's easy right. to get. And it's to feel better. Just to be clear, yeah. it's usually to feel better or it's just sitting out, you know, sitting out on the counter, and that's a, uh, that's a bad habit too. But a lot of people come home from work, and you know what? They're tired. People yeah. are working so hard. They spend 100% of themselves at work. They drag themselves home. They have 5% left on their battery, hardly yeah. anything left to do anything in the evening, like spend time with friends or family, go on a yeah. walk, cook a healthy yeah. dinner, right? Yeah, that's so true. Uh, well, if there was one primary message you would like uh, readers to take away from your book, what would it be? Well, let's see. Um, primary message is, um, well, there's so many. I mean, I'd want to give you two or three, but only eat when you are actually hungry is yeah, the most that, important that thing. Yeah, probably be the best. You know? and, uh, yeah, I and you, like you know, you are good that, enough, right? Yeah, <laughs> I like the fact that you're really in control, whether you... Uh, in the past have thought you were a victim of uh, circumstances or whatever. <laughs> you can take control and, and figure out why you're overeating, and I, I love that message that you give in, in the yeah. book. That, uh, yeah, you absolutely can, and people do it all the time. And you know the, the interesting thing is it does not take very long. I have clients who are coming to me who feel like they are addicted to sugar, and this is a really big problem because sugar biologically does not make us feel good. Uh, but no. I have clients who are getting off sugar in three days, and guess wow. what? Swelling goes down. They can walk easier. Knees feel better. They feel better. They're sleeping better. So yeah. uh, sugar, you know, is one of those things that is a real problem, Yeah. and hypnosis That's helps sure. with that. Yeah. Not to mention type 2 diabetes, which is so common for those of us in the middle Absolutely, yeah. Well, where best modern... should we go to preview and purchase your book? What's the best place to do that? Well, you can go to, you know, it's in bookstores across North America, so you can go to your favorite local bookstore, book retailer, online. You can go to my website, reprogramyourweight.com, and there's information there to get all of that stuff. Um, but, yeah, you know, your local bookstore is a great place to go. So reprogramyourweight.com is the uh, website we should go to uh, to find out more about uh, your yep. services and uh, what you have to offer. That's, yeah, that's uh, a great place to go. Okay, okay fine. We'll have to do that. And uh, to conclude, obviously, food plays an integral role in our lives. Of course, we need it to survive, to nourish and energize our bodies, and to provide strength and energy for our daily activities. But also, food is a source of pleasure, a point of focus at so many social gatherings as an entertainment like a fine French restaurant. The problem is so many of us use food in ways not intended uh, for, like, soothing 
soothing us emotionally and compensating us when we're bored. And as all we all know by now, this mo- misuse of food so often causes unintentional consequences, the primary one being a gain, weight gain. And, uh, and although emotional eating may work in the short run, as, as Erica Flint points out, it's uh, never a long-term solution. And the changes are always temporary. The hurt feelings will return and most likely will gain unweighted pounds in the process. And seeing for food, a food for what it is and what it is not will help improve your overall quality of life. And I certainly endorse that because it uh, has helped me to uh, recognize why I'm eating and uh, why I don't need to be eating so much. And when we eat the right way for our body, we'll, we feel vibrant and full of vitality and energy. And uh, does hypnosis, hypnosis make sense for you? If so, I highly recommend you preview and purchase Erica Flint's book, Reprogram Your Weight. And thank you, Erica Flint. You certainly have opened my eyes to the potential benefit of hypnosis, both in losing weight and in enjoying our lives going forward. Thank you, Roy, for having me today. It's been great to be here. And thanks a million for joining us, and best of success with your Cascade Hypnosis Center and all the good work you're doing as a consultant and author and a speaker on the topic of losing weight and using hypnosis to get the job done. Thanks so much. You're welcome. It's my pleasure being here. Well, first of all, thanks again to today's guest, Erica Flint, for her excellent suggestions on reprogramming your weight. And before we go, I'd like to take a few moments to urge you ladies, and we men also, to appreciate your body at whatever age and shape you may be in and be at today. For many women, menopause and aging, as we all know, affect metabolism, causing an uptick in weight without any real change in activity or diet. And heck, we men don't go through menopause, but many of us gain weight around the middle and in other places also. And unfortunately, weight gain is difficult to stave off without significant effort. We all know that. And even if you're able to maintain your premenopausal, or for us men, our mid-20s weight, uh, you may carry it differently and feel thicker around your middle. And while maintaining a healthy weight is important, don't forget to show yourself some compassion. Please don't forget, even if you're not particularly fond of your new shape or size. Studies show that having a positive body image and practicing self-compassion during middle age can actually result in fewer symptoms, including, for you ladies, fewer hot flashes and night sweats. And although it's wise to focus on other things besides your looks as you age, a positive body image is still important, as we all know, because having a positive view of your own body is essential for your confidence, satisfaction, self-life, and or sex life and self-esteem. You know, I came across some uh, self-compassion strategies in a Mayo Clinic August 2017 special report, and I'd like to share them with you now. First of all, get moving. Exercise can make you feel better about your body, whether or not you lose weight, at least up front. The type of exercise doesn't really matter. Find an exercise you like and make time to do it. 
More common forms of exercise, such as walking or jogging, are great, but it's fun and interesting to try other ways to stay fit, such as rock climbing, <laughs> if you have any big uh, mountains or cliffs around, uh, or maybe ballroom dancing. That might be uh, a little bit more uh, moderate. <laughs> Secondly, don't apologize. Whether you're wearing a swimsuit, workout clothes, or a little black dress, ladies only, please, there's no need to apologize for your appearance. Chances are no one will notice imperfections except you. And if you can't be positive, at least stop making excuses and apologies. And pay attention to your body language, too. The way you move may seem like an apology, or if you're constantly folding your uh, arms over your belly, <laughs> even if you don't say it out loud. Uh, thirdly, don't critique others, and this is something I have to work on constantly. When you comment on someone's appearance, you contribute to the culture of unrealistic expectations about how folks should age, and I'm talking about comments, whether you make them face-to-face -face or behind that person's back or from across the room. Pay attention to how you talk about the appearance of women and men, whether they're friends, neighbors, co-workers, celebrities, or maybe someone you just spot across the restaurant. It's uh, common to judge others the same way you judge yourself. Fourth, dress for happiness. You get to choose what you wear, so cultivate your own style and wear things that make you feel good about yourself. If you feel good in jeans, make them your signature. If you love business suits or uh, dresses, don't save them just for special occasions. And finally, accept your genes. You've probably inherited certain traits from your family, whether it's your aunt's thick thighs or your dad's receding hairline. Try to view them as part of your family lineage and embrace those traits just as you would embrace your beloved family members that have gone before. Here's the big picture. Remember, and please remember this, you are more than your body. Your greatest assets might be your agile mind, sharp wit, knack of telling a great story, your kindness to strangers, or your bravery during tough times, your leadership ability. Step back and think of all the things that aren't reflected in a mirror. You know, uh, all of the successful people in the world aren't real handsome or beautiful, as we all know. Focus on your whole self, not each fine line and sag. Some days this may be more difficult than others. We all know that. It may help to focus on what makes you shine the brightest. Write down a compliment or two for yourself and refer to them when you find yourself obsessing about your least favorite features. And take note the next time someone pays you a compliment or ask your spouse or life partner to help you identify your greatest strengths. And spend time with those relationships that buoy you. There's no reason to spend time with people who don't make you feel good about yourself. Of course, sometimes you're stuck spending time with them like your boss. But if you still have friends or family members who constantly rain on your parade, it may be time to step away from them or at least limit your exposure. At the same time, engage yourself in hobbies and activities that you enjoy and that keep your mind active and away from self-obsession. People who are involved in hobbies and leisure activities may be at a lower risk of some health problems, according to Mayo Clinic, and social activities and relaxing hobbies can help eliminate stress and anxiety, and of course, they keep you away from snacking, <laughs> which we talked about several times on previous uh, segments.
consider sharing your passions with your community. That's really the S in our opens formula, uh, socializing and sharing with uh, others. For example, if you enjoy cooking or gardening, you might volunteer at your local farmer's market or soup kitchen. There are many volunteer organizations for middle age or older adults, and uh, they can help link your skills and interests to a community need. And mature adults who participate in meaningful activities report feeling healthier and happier. So go for it. The bottom line, feeling miserable about your appearance or running yourself down, even if it's just to yourself internally, benefits absolutely no one, yourself or another, so why do you do it? It's okay to have a long-range physical goals uh, like weight loss or fitness and to want to look a little bit different, a little bit thinner and more fit than you do now, but that doesn't mean that you have to go around with a positive attitude about yourself or avoid being seen in public. Uh, somehow implying that the present isn't good enough. With solid goals in mind, both for today and longer term, and a positively active but balanced lifestyle, you'll be well on your way to the appearance and life of your dreams. And that's our program for today. Tune in next week when we'll talk about an amazing subject, accomplishing success out of failure. A lot of people have done that very successfully, and we'll talk about that next week. Talk to you then on Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 